Hello, everyone. I'm constitutional attorney Catherine Henry. Welcome to this week's Constitution segment recap. So, this is our Constitution segment recap that we do on Thursdays. That is just recapping uh, the part of our Restore Freedom weekly episode. This week, of course, the topic was an interview with a candidate for Michigan governor. Again, as always, this is just a simple recap. So to hear the full discussion uh, and uh, everything that entailed, please watch the full episode, which is episode number 18. At the beginning of this um, uh, ep this week's episode and uh, posted separately all across our social media uh, platforms as a true or false poll, I asked the question, true or false, every state has an election for the office of governor this year in 2022. The options were true. All 50 states have elections for governor this year. False. Most states have, an, have elections for governor this year, but not all states. False. Only a few states are electing their governors this year. Or false. No states will elect governors this year. That is only done in presidential election years. The answer was false. Most states have elections for governor this year, but not all of them. In fact, 20 currently Republican and 16 currently Democrat governor seats are up for election this year in 2022. So how many times is the term governor used in the U.S. Constitution? As we talked about in more detail in the full episode, none. However, how many times is the term governor used in the Michigan Constitution? 139 times. That's a lot. I would say there's a bit more significance at the statewide level for governors and what they can do and what they shouldn't do and being viewed um, through the lens of the state constitution. So, if you want to take a look at what the Michigan executive branch of government uh, is all about, uh, well, first of all, the U.S. executive branch of government is discussed in Article 2 of the Constitution. But for the Michigan uh, state government, if you look at the Michigan Constitution, Article 5, you will find uh, the details on the executive branch of government. Look for your own state's constitution if you live outside of Michigan, and uh, you will fairly easily find the article or section that is talking specifically about the executive branch of government. So in Michigan, the only constitutionally permitted use of executive orders, as we discussed in context and in detail in this week's full episode, uh, that part comes from Article 5, Section 2 of the Michigan Constitution, and it relates to restructuring executive branch departments. 
We also talked about in this great conversation, the rights and powers of government and of the people. And we started that conversation talking about the Ninth Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, as well as Article 1, Section 23 of the Michigan State Constitution, guaranteeing our protection for our unenumerated rights, which we retain. We contrasted that with the uh, powers that are uh, delegated or not to state or federal governments uh, with the rest being reserved to the people. Rights versus powers. The executive branch organization, uh, there's some key elements that we talked about there in this interview with Ryan. Article 5, Section 21 indicates that the governor, lieutenant governor, secretary of state, and attorney general are the state elective executive officers. Article 5, Section 2 mentions that uh, all executive and administrative offices, agencies, and instrumentalities, basically everything in the executive branch, no matter what you want to call it, they should not total more than 20 principal departments. And uh, in fact, these principal departments shall be grouped as far as practicable, practicable according to major purposes. Then we talked about what happens when you um, have someone in office who is blatantly violating the Constitution. Well, in Michigan, if you look at uh, Article 5, Section 8, and we have the full wording here, and we discussed it in detail. It essentially uh, puts into place the mechanism specifically for the governor to go into court and um, bring a lawsuit against the person who is holding a public office in Michigan, yet violating the Constitution. In fact, we uh, touched on who owes uh, an oath of office, who owes that duty to um, swear to uphold the U.S. and Michigan constitutions. And we talked about uh, that constitutional oath of office, which finds its origins in uh, Article 6 of the U.S. Constitution, Article 11, Section 1 of our state constitution. And uh, I don't think we referenced the actual statute, but we talked about it being the state law MCL 15.151, that everyone in the state of Michigan that works for the government in any way, shape, or form, they must also take this constitutional oath of office. And what happens when an official doesn't take the constitutional oath? Well, this is a slide I actually had used from a prior presentation to you on a constitution segment recap, but it is something that uh, the discussion with Ryan certainly brought out um, in um, in terms of, okay, so what happens if they don't take it and what happens if they take the oath, but they violate it? Uh, in fact, Ryan knew very well that every office becomes vacant if someone does not take their oath uh, as required by Michigan constitution and state law. Uh, this is also a slide that I had talked about in previous times, not so much detail in this week's episode, but it goes over um, what happens when uh, an official doesn't take their constitutional oath and uh, what state law says about how those offices are filled. 
This might seem like quite a quick recap, but uh, you should make sure to watch that full episode, which is, I want to say it was like an hour and 20 minutes or something. A lot of great information packed into there. If you want more information on Ryan Kelly specifically and his uh, um, uh, campaign for Michigan governor, that link is available for you here. And then also, I know it's tiny, so let me see what I could do here, make it a little bit bigger. Um, you might have to view it from a bigger screen, but the links uh, for the different documents, in fact, let me jump over real quick and show you. Uh, this is the, um, uh, the information. The first one is the link to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics that I talked about where um, I got my information that we have over 4 million people employed by the state of Michigan. So that is the first one. The second one here is where the state of Michigan is self-reporting their employees, specifically categorizing them in a fun variety of ways, but showing that 44,000 are full-time uh, classified uh, civil employees for the state of Michigan. That's the second link. A third link is where you can find information from the Michigan Board of State Canvassers. And if you scroll down, you can see information on the various petitions. Because if you look to the third link, that is um, the information on uh, basically the summary of the various petitions that are in circulation right now, or at least it'll tell you right here at the end um, if it's in circulation or not. And I do believe all of these that were included are in circulation. But um, looking at that first one, in fact, if you go to uh, the next link I have for you here, the um, actual petition itself for the Unlock 2 petition, which is something I asked Ryan about. And for those of you who might have heard about it and you think it's generally a wonderful thing and you wonder why on earth Ryan and I would both be opposed to this, I wanted to give you the language yourself for you to read for yourself in case you had any questions about it whatsoever. Keeping in mind that when you see any of these, whenever you see um, the language of a statute or constitution being amended, generally speaking in every state, now it's not necessarily a guarantee, but generally speaking in any state, when you see capital letters, that is a section that is being added. The regular font is, is wording that's already there. But capital letters is what's being added. And then typically you see language with a strike through if it's uh, language that's being taken out, which <clears throat> this petition, <clears throat> excuse me, is not proposing to take any language out of the current laws. <clears throat> so with that being said, uh, let me head back over here. Uh, you can go ahead and maybe take a screenshot or pause or something of that nature to get all of these um, links available to you. In fact, um, Lori might also be copying and pasting those for you as well in um, the comments or it might be in the description. Who knows? It's been a long day and a long week, so I apologize. But at any rate, those are the resources that I have available to you in relation to this week's Constitution segment recap. And with that being said, I want to thank you so much for joining us this week on Tuesday for our full, wonderful episode that we have, as well as uh, what we shared with you yesterday in the Way to Get Involved, Wednesday's Way to Get Involved weekly challenge, uh, of course, with 
today's current uh, Constitution segment recap. Don't forget to join us tomorrow for our Friday's Freedom Fighting Tools, Saturday's video about our Restore Freedom Goodie of the Week, and of course on Sunday we will have our biblical insight on this great topic and um, things that are related. So thank you for joining us. Don't forget to join us next Tuesday at noon on Rumble and Facebook and YouTube for our uh, next week's episode of Restore Freedom Weekly. Thanks so much, everyone. Have a great day.